Welcome to the Young Professionals Shorts, or as you may hear us call it, YP Shorts, where we explore the journeys of successful young professionals from a range of industries. In this special series, we bring you an in-depth interview with our guests who have achieved remarkable success in their career. To make the most of the insights and experiences that our guest has to offer, we've decided to break these interviews down into a short series of episodes. Each episode will focus on a different aspect of their story, giving you a chance to absorb all the information and truly understand what it takes to thrive as a young professional in Lancaster County. We highly recommend listening to these episodes in chronological order as they build on each other to give you a comprehensive view of our guest journey. From their early experiences to their most recent successes, you'll gain valuable knowledge and practical tips that can help you take your own career to the next level. So whether you're a young professional just starting out or a seasoned veteran looking to stay ahead of the curve, this series of the YP Shorts is for you. Tune in, listen, and learn from the inspiring stories of our guests, one episode at a time. Let's dive in. Thinking about people who maybe are looking at their business or organization and they're saying, there's some things that we could do better here, but maybe they don't know how to start that conversation. Do you have any words of wisdom for maybe how do I approach a supervisor or a peer or another leader and say, hey, I see this. Is this something that we could explore? I think the first step is to always be vocal about it. Take that first step to tell people how you feel instead of just keeping it in. Sometimes I think the supervisors might not know that's an issue that should be talked about because it's been going on for so long. So even if you're just vocal enough to say, hey, can we come to the table and can we have this conversation? I think that's the first way to start it. We live in a culture that sometimes it's hard to have the face-to-face conversations, especially after COVID, where texting and emailing, it seems to be the go-to. But I really think like the face-to-face conversations make a bigger impact and you really know who you're speaking to and the changes that can be made at the table. Great advice. Thank you. Reflecting on your own life and those in your network, you obviously really prioritize sustainability as a value. I know that you prioritize transparency and ethically sourced goods. What does that look like to lean into personally and professionally? I don't know if I have all the right answers to that, but I do know that the more I do this business, the more I want to tap into other things. Like professionally, I have been really playing around with the idea of organic farming because we do use a lot of natural dyes in our clothing. So I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to have an organic farm that we can just take the certain elements we need, but then have these fruits that others can eat and it could be organic and you know it's good for you. That's just been something I've been so drawn to right now. But I think professionally, I do want to find other ways to be more sustainable and conscious of what I'm eating, what I'm doing. Personally, I think my life is kind of intertwined with the professional way of living. And so I do see changes in my life personally as being better at expressing myself and what I do to have people understand it. But I think like the hardest thing as an immigrant is when you come to this country, you are already given this title. You're already given this like nameplate as like, this is who I am. I'm an immigrant. And so everything you do somehow is tied to your immigration, but not really as like what you want to bring to the country as what you're trying to add. 
And so I've been learning for myself personally is, yes, I am an immigrant. Yes, I am proud of it. But there's so much more to me than that. There's so much more to me than those labels. And I really want to go past the labels and just put myself in this community that is now my home. And I think with the pandemic, too, and one thing that I'm hearing you say is that the pandemic kind of erased the pseudo boundaries that we had between our personal and our professional lives. It really showed us that those don't truly exist. We were living in a reality where we were creating a false narrative for ourselves of this is who I am at work and this is who I am at home or in my community. And that's truly not how people, how humans function. We are who we are. And I think that the pandemic has allowed us to show up in both spaces more authentically, whether it's bringing structure from the professional side into our personal lives or boundaries from our personal lives into our professional lives. And I think it's really opened our eyes to authenticity in the workplace and outside of it because we are able to be fully ourselves. Or at least my hope is that over time, we can all be fully ourselves in the spaces that we show up. Yeah, I love that. I love how you put that. And I also think like a bigger thing is there's also been that idea like we don't give our space time to actually be calm. Like, especially after COVID, you can be on a virtual call, then you can go straight to like an in-person and you're not really like giving your space to just take moments to like reflect. And as like people in their careers, like that's really important. And so I think for me this year and a little bit last year, I just made a change where like, I am not going to answer emails on Mondays. My phone will be on, but I won't check text messages unless it's important because like I need moments to just reflect on my personal life and my professional life. And is it overwhelming or do I need to take a step back or what can I push myself to do more? And it's really important. And culturally, like other cultures do that. Like they take moments to just breathe it in and just take in the world without being part of it. Yeah. For those of you listening who may not know my story, I spent a year living in India right after college and I loved going for tea. It didn't matter how busy we were. We made sure that we took that time to go for tea. And in today's world, in Western culture, coming back into the workplace after that experience, I was like, why don't we take that time to breathe? Just because we do worship productivity a little bit over here in the Western world. And it's great, but it's important to find the balance. And you know that didn't make my office any less productive. In fact, it made us closer as colleagues It gave us that space to brainstorm and ideate. So sometimes really great projects would come out of those tea time conversations. And that's so important for people to recognize that when we don't have all the answers either over here in the West, and what can we learn from others? And what are they doing really well? And how can we share that knowledge with each other? So I want to recognize that you have started a passion project in the last couple of years called The Cultured Workshop. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what motivated you to start facilitating the workshops? Yeah, so I think what really motivated me was after living in Lancaster for so long and having conversations with people constantly where they would ask me the same questions. Some of them were just kind of offensive, but they didn't even know that they were offensive, the questions they were asking. I decided to be able to say, you know what? maybe there just isn't education behind this. You know, maybe people really don't know what they're doing and how offensive it is. So I started these cultured workshops really first in the wedding world because weddings are the most important part of your lives. And a lot of immigrants come here and they can't go back to their country to have their dream wedding. So when they have their weddings in America, 
they really wanted to be as authentic as they possibly can of their roots. And people did not understand that. A lot of vendors did not understand that. And so I started these workshops to try to educate the vendors and anyone else who's interested in learning about cultures from people of culture. So let's talk about the real things. Let's talk about these conversations. Let's talk about appropriation versus appreciation. And a lot of the times, some people did not like the answers. They did not like the whole appropriation versus appreciation talk because, oh, well, I did that. Does that make me a bad person? And it's not about trying to label someone a bad person. It's trying to educate them so they can do better later. And so, yeah, I got to teach these workshops. I've done one in New York. Locally, PCAD actually had me host a few. And I'm hoping to do more because I think the more we become a diverse community, the more we need to learn and have these conversations in basically all forms of business. I think it's really important to talk about these things. And I want to slow it down a little bit because there may be people who are listening to the podcast who are like appropriation. What does that mean versus appreciation? And maybe I've heard it tossed around at Halloween, but can you describe a little bit about the crucial difference there and how people can show up in appreciation? Yeah, I think Halloween's a great one. We don't realize that sometimes when you're wearing that sari to a Halloween party, it's really appropriating the sari because it's such a big part of people's culture. It's who we are as women when we wear that sari. And if you're just wearing it as a costume, you're really not appreciating and you're really not understanding the heart behind it. Or, you know, there's something, and this is probably really deep, but something as simple as in the Hindu culture, we have a certain symbol. Hitler copied our symbol and turned it into his swastika. But it's basically the same thing except reversed that Hitler did. But when you first see the symbol, you think of Hitler. You don't think of the Hindu religion, how it's been there for thousands of years. So what he did was he basically appropriated this symbol to represent something else, to represent his motive and all the, the pain he caused. And when people don't realize that and they see the symbol in a Hindu home, or recently it happened in New Jersey where a gas station owner had that symbol because that was part of his little prayer area. Someone thought that was actually him being like a Nazi supporter and called the police and he had to go to jail and until he explained himself. And that's really painful because that's thousands of years of a culture and religion that just within a few years, which painful years, but it completely ruined it. And that's what appropriation does. You might not know the impact it's having, but it's basically changing a whole culture by being able to just put it out there. And so I really think that's really important, especially as we as a country and as a community become more diverse is to understand how we can appreciate the cultures in our community and not appropriate it. Like go to celebrate Diwali with your Indian friends or, you know, go to the Lunar New Year and celebrate that without appropriating it. And we love that. Immigrants love that. We want to share our culture with others, but we want others to appreciate it. I do want to say, I mean, there are very clear opportunities for people who are engaging with different communities outside of their own for you to show up in authentic or traditional clothing. But I want to just be very clear here when it's a costume that is showing that it's kind of a facade that you put on. It's not showcasing the humanity and the culture of the people. And that's kind of the difference, I would say, between appropriation and appreciation is are you celebrating the humanity and the culture of an entire people group or are you showing 
that it is empty and that's kind of fake. Yeah, like something as simple as a henna. For many cultures, you don't put henna unless you're celebrating something, unless there's something that is bringing your family joy, like a wedding or an engagement. And these are moments where when you see someone with henna, you know that they're celebrating. But, you know, people are like, well, it's henna. You know, it's super cool. And yeah, I love henna tattoos. But for a lot of cultures, that's basically you just taking something that we wait months to wear and just wear at a fair one day and think it's cool. You know, like I understand that we are going to mix our cultures in many forms, but to be understanding of what you're doing is so important. It really is. And people are like, well, it's been done all over. And yes, it is, but it shouldn't be, you know, people should be able to speak up. So yeah, it's really important that we get that as a community. And that's what I wanted to do with the Cultured Workshop. I just really want to have these conversations that some people are too scared to have, or some people already assume whatever they were taught years ago and just really bring them back to the table. And I think a table is like why I use that is because that's the place where people whether you're eating food, whether you're discussing something like you and I right now at the table, we're really just going deep and learning about each other. Yeah. And I think learning is so key here is it's not to label people one way or pass a morality judgment on how good of a person someone may be, but it truly is just what steps are you taking to learn about others in your community and the things that they find special? I think we have to remember that culture is built through myths and traditions and ceremonies and stories. And so when we bring something from someone else's culture, it has strings attached to it. And we have to acknowledge the myths and the stories and the ceremonies and the traditions attached to what something might be eating or wearing. And I think it's just important to have that learning experience so that we know where it's coming from and then why we want to use it or adopt it for our culture or a meld of cultures. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I think when America first started, it was this place of like you could let go of everything because a lot of people were running away. And so I think many times they did not really bring their culture with them because they were trying to start something new. But as we progress, you know, more people are coming here and they want their culture with them. And it's us understanding and respecting that as we add on to our cultures and our communities. I think when you and I were younger, we were taught the melting pot where there's almost this level of assimilation that everyone experiences when they come to the U.S. And I don't think that people use that as the model anymore. I think it's more of there are different ingredients in the soup. And so those different cultures make up the overarching picture of America. But we have the inherent United States of America culture that's been informed by our history and just want to acknowledge that we stole some practices and traditions from the natives who called America a home long before the Western world did. And there's the Native American cultures that exist today and how they've evolved and shifted over time. And then there's the people who are joining us in America in the past and in the future. And they're bringing something to the table every single time. And recognizing that as a beautiful, wonderful piece and not as something to be afraid of or something to be intimidated by. I've never met anyone who hasn't been willing to open up and say, this is why I do this, or this is why this holiday is so important to me. I think people are willing to have those conversations. We just also, on the flip side, have to be willing to engage in the dialogue. Yeah. I think like Thanksgiving is one of my favorite memories because my mom would go all out and make a lot of American dishes, but then she would make Indian dishes. And so we would always invite people to come to Thanksgiving and they'd be like, this is so cool. 
I never had biryani for Thanksgiving or I never had chicken tikka. And it's a way that we mix both cultures. And it was actually a more beautiful moment. And I remember my friends would like text me later, like a year later, hey, is your mom doing this again? Are we invited? And it's like, sure, more people. Yeah. So, you know, we can mix and we can have a great time doing it. Friends, thank you for joining us on this podcast journey. You can find out more about upcoming Young Professionals Network programs by following us on Instagram at YPN underscore blank chamber. Subscribe to What's on Tap Lancaster on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your preferred podcast listening platform to stay up to date on our episode releases. Like what you hear? Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We are grateful to Millersville University's Titus Irvin and Blake Harvey for scoring the show. What's on Tap Lancaster is hosted by the Lancaster Chamber's Young Professionals Network. Written by me, Ashley Glenzer, produced and edited by Chris Zarnock, owner of KM Zen Creative, and recorded by Triforce Pro Audio Solutions. Stay inspired, Lancaster. Mm-hmm.